This morning we're going to be continuing in our series in the book of James, and uh, if you guys don't uh, have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew in front of you. We're going to be, uh, not pew, I'm used to growing up in that church, uh, chair in front of you. James 5, 1 through 6 is where we're going to be at this morning, and I've mentioned before in uh, this setting, one of my favorite movies growing up, it might be one of yours as well, was the series called Star Wars. Anybody else uh, enjoy uh, that low-budget, independent film? No. Uh, but, but Star Wars just really enjoyed the, the battle and the clashes. I, I still have these images from my childhood of watching uh, Star Wars with my family and seeing that, that clash of lightsabers, the dark versus versus the light, the good versus evil, Darth Vader, the ongoing invitation to come to the dark side, not the force, the dark side. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and th- this ever-going battle between light, between good and evil, they really did a good job in that film of kind of capturing that, that tug of war that we feel. And really, I believe as the topic here this morning lends, is really there's that, that, that tug in this area, the topic of wealth, between the tug towards using it for good or using it for evil. And we're going to see in the, the text this morning that it points out primarily the draw to using it for the evil piece. And we're going to actually be looking in James, and we're also going to be looking at in First Timothy just to get a clearer picture of both sides of the, the area of wealth. As you guys know in the series in James, we've been looking at that there's been a number of different tests of genuine faith. And this morning in the text, in the beginning of chapter 5, we see the test of what actual hold wealth has on us. You see, money can be more than a neutral medium of exchange. It can be an actual rival God in our lives. And so that's what it's pointing towards this morning is what place does wealth play in our life? And the, the truth is, is that a lot of times people associate wealth as just this terrible thing, but the scripture is real clear that that's not the case. Deuteronomy 8.18 points out that God gives the power to make wealth. Proverbs 10.22 says that wealth can be a blessing, can be a blessing. A lot of our, our favorite Bible heroes, if we think back, uh, Abraham, Job, Solomon, David, all had great degrees of wealth. But the question isn't about wealth It's what hold it has on you and what you do with it. So this morning, we're going to see the two different sides of the the light and the dark side of wealth and and hopefully be able to do some self-assessment as to what, what hold does wealth have in my life? Let me pray for us as we begin. Dear God, we thank you for your word, and uh, this, this book of James, I'll tell you what, has been something else just with how practical it is and how it speaks to issues that are still prevalent 2,000 years later. We just thank you for that, just how your word just pierces through to, uh, to the heart, to the morrow, as it describes. I pray this morning that you'd do exactly that, that you'd pierce uh, through to our hearts in this area of this rival God. I pray that you just uh, move and work in this, in this text, that there'd be less of me, more of you, and that you'd speak through it. We invite you now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to do, uh, we're going to read the entire text to start with, and so it's going to have some audience participation of standing up here, and as we read through James 5, 1 through 6 briefly, 
and then we'll break through that down the text verse by verse. So I'll read it to, to you. You can follow along. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Happy Father's Day. Your, <laughs> your, your riches have rotted, you, rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Wow. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Let's grab a seat. Let's pause there. Pretty tense passage, right? Anybody else read that where you're like, wait a second, I came for a Father's Day message and the, the girl up here earlier said it was going to be one of blessing. But, uh, but, but hopefully this, this morning as we, as we break down the text, uh, we're going to see a little bit of both sides that it can be a blessing. But first, the challenging piece is pointed out here and it starts with the words, come now. It's a call for attention. It's like saying, hey, listen up. Listen up to what I have to say here about this topic. Who is he talking to? We immediately want to move this, this straight to talking to, that, that he's talking to anybody wealthy. And, and who do we define as wealthy? We define the person wealthy as the person that's next up the tier from us, right? That's how we, anybody, if we're honest with ourselves, the wealthy qualifies as that other person, you know, down the block that has this much more than me. And so we have this, this sliding scale to define wealthy but the truth is, I was, I was seeing in this article uh, this week that if you make over $45,000 a year, did you know that you fall in the top 1% of the world's wealth? Crazy, crazy. So, so, so who's, who's, who's wealthy? Uh, this is like an AA meeting, like, yes, I'm wealthy, yes. Like, uh, we're, we're going to all start by acknowledging that. And so, the, so the, 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 the beginning point he's pointing out is he's talking to wealthy, but thankfully in the text that it's more than that. He's not just talking to any person that, that's wealthy. The audience that he's talking about here is the wicked rich, those who fake to follow Christ, but really follow money. Those who are part of the congregation that he was writing to at the time, that is saying, you claim the one thing, that you're, that you're a Christ follower, but the truth is, your God is money. Your God is money. And so that's who he's speaking to, the unsaved. But J- James, in this process, identifies a particular number of vices that we as wealthy folks all have a tendency to be torn towards. Some things that we're all drawn to, if we're honest with ourselves, in our wealth, that we're drawn to these particular vices. So although he's speaking to the unsaved, we're going to see that based on what ha- they have to, to look forward to, uh, is that he's also saying that, hey, there's some vices that we tend to get snared in, no matter who we are, if we're wealthy. There's some particular things that we're drawn to, a tendency towards with our wealth. And so he points out to this audience, he says what? He says to weep and howl. How crazy is that? Like the, the idea of weeping, of sobbing, and then howling points out this like uncontrollable sob because you've done what? You've chosen the wrong God. You've chosen the wrong God in your life. 
And he points out to them, what, what does he say? Is that you're to weep and howl because of what? Because of the miseries that are coming upon you. The miseries that are coming. And this, the, the, the miseries are, are coming. And it's not real specific in the text whether it's talking about the eternal miseries or the present miseries. Let's be honest that, that wealth can lead to some present mi- miseries as well, right? I've, uh, I, I find myself watching different documentaries that are on television. One of them I've gotten to see, maybe you've seen this before, is the kind of a summary of all these lottery winners. Have you guys ever seen one of these shows? That kind of summarizes what they actually do with their wealth and after they've received this big old life-size check. Can you imagine showing up at the bank and being like, I want to cash this, you know? And uh, so these lottery winners, they have this wealth and, and so many times their stories are sad right like just just it just wreaks havoc on them because all of a sudden their their friends have ulterior motives right all of a sudden they they're not really sure what who who's a friend who's a you know what i mean who wants something from them it goes into all these miserable stories i have a i have an uncle who's uh fairly successful in in business and uh, just talking with him just about just this whole idea of what what does money do like what are the hardships that it leads to he's like he's like if i'm honest with myself he said, I spent the first half of my life trying to acquire wealth and the second half trying to keep it. Isn't that interesting? I said, how, how it's this consuming thing that is this never-ending thing that you're chasing after and it leads to miseries. You turn on the entertainment news, like looking in Hollywood, does, does everybody with wealth seem like they're, they're just hunky-dory and everything's going great? Hunky-dory. You ever find yourself saying stuff your parents said? Um, <laughs> So, but, but, but the truth is, the, the, the misery that it leads to it, it is brutal. My, my wife has a um, college roommate that uh, her husband has done really well in, in real estate as far as financially speaking. And we were visiting with them about a year and a half ago and just talking with him. And he was just saying like the, the frustration that it was for him, even with his, with his own kids, because he has this great wealth. But he's like, it's a no-win situation because if you give it to them, then they gain this entitlement that, they des- that, 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 that there's no work ethic there. If you keep it from them, they become, they become embittered. And he's like, it's, 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 no, it's a no-win situation. You can't win either way. And so just the hardships that that has lended to. And so, I mean, I'm just scratching the surface. You know what I'm talking about. Like wealth, there's, there's a lot of hardship present day that can come from it. But what about the, the, the future tense? What about the future tense of somebody that's chosen to make money their God and has rejected the real God as leader of their life? What, is it, what does it point to? The future misery is a topic that we don't usually like to talk about in church. We've kind of swung the pendulum the opposite direction, but hell is a reality. Like, I, I, it's become taboo to talk about and, and preachers get a hard time and they're, they're preaching hell and brimstone. But guess what? It, it's real. It's real. So it's, it's taboo to talk about it, but it's cruel not to talk about it. Does that make sense? Like, it, it's cruel not to point out that this looming reality is, is headed to people that haven't bent their knee and embraced Jesus' death as payment for their sins, that, that that's a reality, that there's going to be a Christless eternity. I think about that. What a staggering idea that is. If God is love and God is good, not just God is loving and God does good stuff, but no, if he actually is love and he actually is good, all things good, all things loving, imagine eternity separated from those two things alone. That's just one component of it. There's the whole weeping and gnashing and teeth part too. But, the, but, but absent of love and absent of good for eternity 
And that's what we're talking about here. That's why he's using these terms of saying weep and howl. Like this is, there's some bad days ahead for those who have made money their God. Those that have elevated money to the, the, to the place that God was supposed to be in. So he goes into this text and he goes into a bunch of potential snares for us, as we've already established, for us as the wealthy. What are some of those snares? There's four of them that I'm going to point out from the text. First one's in verse 3. He says, you have laid up treasures in the last days. You have laid up treasures in the last day. This idea of hoarding. The idea of, of, of last days as described there is, is basically the, the time between Christ leaving uh, after being here and his return. So that's that, that period of time. We're in that, that, that period of time. I'm hoping that it's getting closer to the end of that period of time. But uh, the last days, and what he's saying is you have laid up treasures. You've, the idea of, of hoarding, selfish acqu- acquisition, acquis- what's that word? Thank you. All right, so you've done that. And, uh, and, and, and how pointless he points that to be. He's describing, he describes the three different areas that, were, uh, that people considered wealth, food, clothing, and precious metals. It's funny how those are still uh, a big deal in our present culture. But all three of them, he's saying, have the same outcome. Your food, what happens to it? It gets rotten. Your clothes, the moths eat, the metals corroded. The truth is that the things that we pursue, the things that we elevate and describe of wanting to hoard and keep to ourselves, they're just so fleeting, so fleeting. Anybody else see that just with stuff? Man, I'll tell you what, like it is definitely one of those things that you can never actually close your hand around. And that's the idea here, I I believe, of the idea of hoarding is because we describe wealth isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's whether you have an open hand or a closed fist, right? Whether you're, whether you're holding it loosely or clinging on to it. I remember when I was um, first out of college, I had a, a job in the marketplace for a few years and had, a, had gotten a, a pretty cool car. I've always been a, a car guy. And, uh, and they had this, this ministry opportunity that opened up at Willow Creek for a, a raise-your-own-support uh, kind of a, a deal, basically like a missionary where you sent out, you had a network of people that were uh, committing a certain amount to support you. And I was like, uh, I, I was very interested in, in, in this internship. And I was like, man, but I can't have like a, a fun car and do that. And I was just feeling the tug of war. And I said, I, I remember talking to God and it's funny, he does these little tests on occasion to say, hey, let's make sure that it's uh, open hand, not a closed fist. You guys ever have those tests? Like, uh, and, and so I remember... I hadn't heard back from this internship program in a couple of months, and I was like, man, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I told God, I'm like, all right, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell the, the fun car that I have, and I remember the day came that that guy was coming up and uh, showed up at my work on my lunch break and was kind of test driving it, and I, he's driving, and he's like, oh, this is great. I'm gonna, he's like, I think I want to take this, and I'm kind of like, are you sure you want it? <laughs> and, uh, and, and he made the offer, and I remember the tug that I had in my heart, I was like, I was like, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything from this internship. Maybe I should just hang on to this. You know, like I don't need to sell it. And, uh, and, and here's me being authentic with you guys. And, 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 so, uh, and so, so I was like, all right, God, I'm, I, I told you I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to sell it. So I sold it to this guy. This is on my lunch break. And, you're, and you can kind of guess where this conversation's going. I get back from my lunch break. And within, no exaggeration, within a half an hour, I get a call from Willow Creek Community Church and saying, hey, we, we just want to revisit that internship and let you know that we've accepted for you for that if you're interested in that. And I was like, are you kidding me? 
You know what I mean? Like, like how crazy is that? How God just occasionally wants to say, hey, just, just making sure that, that, that you don't have a, a too tight of a grip on that. That idea of, of hoarding, of holding on to it. The next one, the potential snare that we see in the text is this idea of ill-gotten gain. Verse 4 says, Behold, the wages of the laborer who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. This idea of ill-gotten gain, pursuing wealth by any means necessary. In that day and time, the, the day laborers was a common thing. And it became for a day laborer a pretty dependent thing. If you're working for the day for your wages, it's pretty important that you get paid for that. And so the, these, the, the audience that he's writing to is saying, man, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't have them work for you, then not pay them. But for us, a lot of us are just like, I don't do that. So how does this apply? But the, the big idea is, is elevating money over people, right? Where money has become such a thing that you're willing to do whatever it takes to keep it, even if it comes at the risk of, of ripping somebody else off. Ripping somebody, there's such a tug towards that. My wife had this um, idea some years back. Who she had, they had this um, work, like a woman's workout facility thing or whatever at the, uh, in the town that we lived in. And she went in, was talking to them about member, the membership idea. And they are saying, you know what? We can give you a really good deal if you pay for the whole year in, in advance, you know, instead of the, the monthly thing. And so we did the, the math on that. And we're like, oh, that's going to be a great savings. We'll go ahead and sign up for the, this membership. And, uh, and so this was on a Friday. We, uh, we, she, she goes to, for her first workout on Monday morning. She shows up there, and she looks, and it's closed. It had gone out of business. Uh, on Friday, they took her, her annual... See, everybody feels bad for you, Adrian. Uh, they, they, took, they took our cash and closed up shop. I'm like, are you kidding me? Where's the Better Business Bureau? And, uh, and, and so I was fired up about this, this idea of elevating finances or resources. Uh, do you think they were wondering if they were going to close on Friday? No. No, they're cashing in before they hit the, t- you know what I mean, before they head out of town. So it was just so frustrating. But the point being, one, I thought I wanted to share that story out of frustration. But, but two, <laughs> the idea of, of ill-gotten gain, just being on the receiving end of that, it hurts, it stinks. But, but what place has it become in our life? Have we gotten to the place that we're just like, hey, I don't care who it hurts or what happens on the other end of the line as long as I'm moving forward with resources, another potential, sca- uh, potential snare. The, the next one there in verse, the, the first part of verse 5, selfish indulgence. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Indulging every desire, the idea there, is the always wanting more, this endless pursuit to satisfy this insatiable hunger. This endless pursuit that you've lived in luxury and and you just keep building and building. And the question that we all have to ask ourselves is this, how much is enough? How much is enough? At what point do we get to the place where we're just like, all right, we're there. That's enough. That's good. I don't don't need anything more. I uh, take, I end up driving sometimes our our kids to school. They just started over at at Willow Elementary and there's this kind of back road, I forget what the name of it is, but this back road that takes us through a, a pretty nice area back there. And it's funny how that, that, that covet meter goes up, doesn't it? Anybody else have that? 
I'm like, I'll, I'll be totally satisfied in our, in our rental townhome. And then that drive to school, right? That drive to school, you're like, man, that third garage would be nice. Man, that, that, that backyard, look at the nice flower. You know what I mean? Like there's, there, there's this draw. Of, and the question that I come back to regularly is, how much is enough? How much, of a, how, how much do I have to have where it's the place where you're just like, all right, I, we're already in the top 1%. We established that. Like, like, where do you go? And this idea that he points out of selfish indulgence, how much is enough? Second part, he points out what, what, that, what that leads to. The second part of verse five, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Wow. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This idea here I see as, as misdirected affection is what I label that section. is because your heart is really the, the source and the, the core of who we are, right? And it really says a lot about us, what our affections are, as to where our heart is at. And that's what he's pointing out in the text, is that your affections of your heart, they've gotten fat. They've gotten bloated. That You've elevated the wrong things, and they've become too big of a deal. You, it says in the day of slaughter, judgment day is coming, you have a fat heart. The idea that this kind of love for money leads us to all kinds of depravity. It points out in the text there that you've condemned and murdered. Holy smokes, where did it, how did it land there? Like, how did it land there? But unchecked, this heart and this desire for, for the money God can lead to some pretty terrible things. I was doing a little bit of background on that, that section there. You have condemned and murdered. The idea there uh, as a judicial term, condemned, that at that time they were to, the, the wealthy would take the, the smaller landowners owners to court for just about anything. And then in the, the court, they would then uh, end up acquiring their land and then having the, the poor then work for them, right? And so that was, the, that was the, what, what it looked like in their day and age. I don't know what the equivalent would be today, but I'm pretty confident that in the business world, there's some pretty ugly things that go down for the pursuit of wealth, right? For that pursuit, it still gets pretty dark here in our present day. What he's, what he's pointing out is that this misdirected affection, is, it, it leads to some pretty dark places. I have a, a close friend, a pastor friend. Actually, we, we haven't talked for a, a while, but this, his, he, he ended up with his wife at a... Uh, remember when Alanis Morissette was popular, whenever that was? She was kind of had these uh, bitter ballads. Um, and uh, and, and, and she, uh, he ended up with, it, with his wife going to this concert. And he made this observation of, uh, of the folks that were at the concert was just like... He's like, it was just this packed stadium. And he's like, you know what? That room was packed with worshipers. Just packed with worshipers. Only problem was, is their worship was misdirected. The truth is, we're all designed to be worshipped. We're designed for worship. We're all worshipers. But where is our worship directed? And that was the point there. And that's the point that the text is that our, our affection, our worship is misdirected. So these snares, as we see, can lead to some pretty dark places. When it starts talking about murder and, and, and false judgment on people, it leads to some pretty dark places. And so the, he's giving in our text this morning some warnings about the dark side of wealth. 
But in all fairness, I thought it was appropriate as we're painting the uh, with painting the full picture with wealth that we cover both sides. Are we okay with covering both sides here this morning? So I don't usually do this, but I want to point. I want to bring us to another passage that paints the picture of a little bit more of the of the 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 positive reality of what you can do with wealth. So we saw that hoarding, ill-gotten gains, selfish indulgence, misdirected affections are are things that we're warned about in the text. But we're going to turn over to First Timothy. 6 17 through 19 and this is a word of challenge for believers in the better way the appropriate way to use our wealth again first timothy 6 17 through 19 this is paul speaking to timothy as he's describing his challenge for the the rich in this present age verse 17 says this as for the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the appropriate response to wealth. Let's break that down just briefly. Verse 17, the first thing that he points out is being humble. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Not to be haughty. It's so ironic how, how people allow wealth to be a, a source of pride. I sometimes will find myself hearing uh, uh, lyrics in a rap song. Anybody, uh, anybody else willing to confess they've heard a rap song before? How, how happy people are with their wealth and women. You know, like, I'm like, 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 like as if those are both feats. You know, and, and this idea of being haughty and being prideful of, of, of their wealth. I mean, I, I, you, you, you find yourself in a, in a Macy's or Neiman Marcus and the, the folks that work there are even pretty happy with their wealth. And I'm like, uh, it's confusing. But anyway, the, 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 idea, the idea of being humble, that, we're, that our, our wealth, recognizing that our wealth just means that there's more that we're accountable for. There's more that we're accountable for. It shouldn't be something we're celebrating. If anything, it should be like, whoa, I'm responsible for this. I'm gonna have to give an account for all of this wealth. So being humble is the first thing that he points out is the appropriate response to, to wealth. Verse 17 continues, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. To place our hope in God, not money. That's the appropriate response to wealth. Where is your, where is your hope at? You see, our, our hope has a tendency to migrate from the master to the money, right? Our, our hope tends to migrate from, our, from, from God to saying like, man, I, I think I can solve this. I think resources, if I have enough in, in, this, in this account and I have enough in this account, then, then I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a good place. But the truth is, is that, that resources, anybody else see this? Resources are so fleeting, right? One day you can feel like, Hey, things are going all right. I think, I think this, uh, this little cushion, this little nest egg that I've built up is, is in a good spot. And then the market does pfft, tanks, right? Or, or the housing market or whatever. Like, where does it go? Like, that, that's how wealth works. Is it's, this, it's this roller coaster. If you've put your hope in that, he's saying, don't put your hope in that. Don't put your hope in it. That, that's, not, that's not what we're supposed to do. Put your hope in God. The idea is this. I, I, thought, I like this quote that it's possible to love money without having it, 
And it's possible to have it and not love it. It's possible to love money without having it. We can, we can put our, our hope in it, this idea that it's going to satisfy us. But, but we also see that how quickly it's fleeting. We can't put our hope in it. It's not a wise foundation. Verse 17, he continues this idea. Uh, he said already, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I like this idea. The idea that we are to recognize God as the giver of good, uh, of good gifts. Well, wealth doesn't have to be something that, uh, like every single time you're just like feeling guilty about having anything nice. The, uh, the, the point is taking time to recognize that this is a gift from God. That this, is a, that this is a blessing, that this is, this is his kindness. But the, the tendency for us is to forget that his intention is that we fall in love with him more and we start to fall in love with the stuff that he's given us, right? He wants it to be something that when we enjoy something nice, when you go out to a, a nice dinner with your family and you enjoy these, uh, what's that meat that you guys really love here? tri-tip love that stuff like uh, uh, like it, it, take the tri-tip and enjoy it you know like we don't have that in chicago enjoy the like the, the thing see make sure that we're acknowledging the giver of the good gifts i have a i have a con- convertible and uh and and had fun going for a drive just uh, my, my wife had a birthday party with the uh with the kids and gave the gift of two hours any gentleman lo- love that gift she's like happy father's day and uh and, and so i had two hours i just went driving down canaan road i maybe broke a speed limit uh maybe not uh and uh and, and then down the down the highway there heading north down the down the coast and just driving with the the wind blowing through my non-hair and uh <laughs> And, and, and it was just like, God, I, I was genuinely, this is my conversation. I'm, thank you, God. Like, this is good. This is nice. Like, taking time to acknowledge who the giver of good gifts is. Like, they're, they're, it doesn't have to be something that we feel guilty about any nice thing we have. That's not his point. But he says, recognize, he says, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He's a good father. He wants us to enjoy stuff. But then he says, with that, he goes on in verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be rich in good works. They're to do good and be rich in good works. The idea of being rich in good works, I love that idea. The idea of like wealth leading to the potential, I was talking with John about this this week, the potential that, that wealth can have to be, man, I have the ability to do all kinds of good stuff. I can do some really cool things with the wealth that God's entrusted into my care. I um coming from Harvest Bible Chapel, they have the um a connection with the, the I don't even know their first names. We just know them as the Green family, maybe because they had a lot of green. But uh but the the Green family uh was a family connected to the church. I'd never even met them before. They own a a, a company called Hobby Lobby. Have you guys ever uh been in one of those stores, which is pretty awesome? The Green family they are unbelievably generous to the, to the church that, that I was a part of. They, they said, you know what? If there's ever a facility that you guys are interested in, just let us know. 
Like, who does that? And, and so, and so they, they purchased, this is the honest truth, they purchased, a, they didn't pay this amount, but they purchased for the, for the church a $67 million complex that became, became a, a pastor training center, a Christian school, a church. Like, uh, they, they ended up buying, oh, 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 if you see another one, another $42 million one that they were able to bless the, the, the church with. Just, just saying like, hey, here's an open check. We believe in what God's doing here, and we want to bless you guys. Guys, want you to be able to use this to expand the kingdom. How cool is that? Like the ability to, to, to be able to bless somebody with your resources. How awesome that is. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, be generous. Be generous, willing, and, and, and ready to, to, to do good works as the opportunity provides. The, the verse 18, the idea, so that was good works. I, I jumped into this next one. But the idea of being generous, just w- willing to share, just be generous with what we do have. So maybe you, you can't write that $42 million uh, check quite yet. Uh, Luis, that's coming, right? In a few years. Uh, but, um, but, but, but right now, that, that's not happening. You can't do that. But what if we're just generous with the stuff that we, that we do have? What, what would that look like? I have a, my grandfather uh, owned a butcher shop, and uh, he, he knew meat. Uh, unfortunately, he died at a young age because of that. Uh, uh, but he... Um but anytime we were out with, with the family, we'd all be together at a meal. Like I, we knew that like he didn't have a lot of resources, but, he, but the, that check would come and he, who's the first one? He's like, I got that. He'd grab that and he'd pay for everybody. I don't know how he did it because he was broke. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but I love this idea of just, just, being, just being generous, being generous, being the first one to, to grab the, 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 the check instead of like me waiting just patiently to see if somebody else grabs it. <laughs> The, the, the idea is the idea of, uh, of, of recognizing that it all belongs to him. That it all belongs to him. That changes everything. When you start seeing your resources like that, it's, it's not even mine. Like, it's his. And in fact, Scripture is pretty clear about that. Job 41.11, whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. It's God talking. Or Exodus 19.50, all the earth is mine. The, or Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So, so based on those three passages, how much of your stuff is yours? A big fat goose egg. None. Like it, it's, not, it's not ours. Like, and so the freedom of that, well, then, then should lead us to be generous. Just be, being willing to say like, well, how much of God's money am I going to direct towards that? That's, it's not even mine. I don't have to worry about that. So be generous. And then the last one there in, uh, in uh, verse 18 is, is being ready to share. Being ready to share. And I put that separately. Somebody might link those together. But be generous. The idea of generous is something that you're, you're, you're writing the check. But the share has to do with stuff that's already yours, right? Being willing to share. Like, I've got this, but I'm willing to share that. I, I own this possession, but what's mine is yours, and actually say that and mean it. What would that look like? That, that you had that mentality of, if when, when, when we have this, this mentality of sharing, it, it, it changes everything. I remember being downtown with a homeless outreach my wife and I got to be a part of in Chicago, and, and the, this gentleman there that was in the middle of the winter, and I, and I had my nice North Face coat that I had purchased, uh, and, and, and there, and I'm, this guy's about to go into the evening, the, the rest of the evening with like this little thin coat, and I'm just like, man, what's mine is yours. Like, like the Holy Spirit was just tugging. Like, what if we had, and I've, I've blown it in lots of points too, but that particular one, I, I got to hand the guy the coat, you know, like, like what if we had that mentality with all of our stuff? Just say, what's mine is yours. 
What a gift that could be with our wealth, with our resources. The idea here as he concludes in the, in the text, there is, he says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. I want to just end with that thought, that idea. This idea of storing up treasures. We see that the truth is, is a lot of times people have this mentality of you can't take it with you, right? You can't take it with you. But I want to propose this morning that you can take it with you. You can take it with you. You just have to do an exchange. There just needs to be an exchange between our current worldly currency and kingdom currency. The truth is you can't take it with you. Imagine this. Imagine if we found out on the news, Obama let us know that we were changing from the U.S. dollar to the euro, but he wasn't going to tell us when that change was going to take place. He, he, all of a sudden, you, you knew that this exchange was coming, that all of a sudden the U.S. dollar wasn't going to be worth anything anymore. We're not too far from that, I don't think. But uh, the U.S. dollar wasn't going to be worth anything anymore. And this exchange was going to happen, but you didn't know when that was going to happen. What do you think your strategy, think through that for a second. What would your strategy be? You're ex- you would do this, I, or at least I was thinking about this. I would go to the bank and I would exchange as much of the U.S. dollar for the euro as possible and then keep as little for myself as I possibly could of the U.S. dollar because you're like, man, I don't know when that's going to be worthless, right? So that would, be, that would make sense as the best strategy. But, but, but you carry that over into the spiritual and how true is the same? How, much, how true is the same? The, the same idea that we don't know when all this stuff is going to be pointless and worthless, that exchange rate, that, 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 you're, that, that the things that we have, the things that we possess, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well, is going to be worthless and pointless. How would we approach that? We'd want to exchange it for kingdom currency. We'd want to make that switch while we have this limited time. And that doesn't, don't hear me wrong, that doesn't mean that you go and you, you give every single dollar that you have to the, to the poor. There needs to be that we need people that have the ability to acquire wealth and distribute it. Thank you, Green family. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we need that ongoing. That doesn't, that's not it. But, but looking to have the, the mentality of using your currency to bless other people, using it to encourage other people, using it for the less fortunate, using it for kingdom currency. What would that look like in this city? What would that look like in this town? What would that look like in this church? How that would drastically change everything. I want to give us a close with an exercise that I want to try out. And this is, this is a little bit of audience participation. So if you're dozing off, this is the time to wake up. Uh, th- this is a little audience participation. And we'll, we'll take maybe one or two agape people as volunteers. We'll be, be maybe a couple. But I, I need a total, and I told you this is audience participation. I need a total of five people willing to try something kind of nutty with me in the next two weeks. So we're going to find out who's willing to... Be a little bit crazy, live outside of the box. It's not too crazy. It's going to just bump you a little bit. So I need five volunteers. I want one of them to be from the agape. And this is, this is, this is, this is a faith test. I'm, I'm going to stretch you guys. John warned you it's going to be different. All right, Bill, come up here. You're one. All right, what's your name? Aaron, get up here, Aaron. You're, you're another. 
Okay, uh, a, a, I need a few more, okay, come on up here. Jim, our couple, okay, there's number three. Look at two agapes, come on, where, I, I, I'd like somebody that, that's a little bit uh, po- post 50, we'll just say that, somebody post 50. Anybody post 50 willing to do this? I'm gonna explain, you're not post, you're not post 50 years old. <laughs> somebody that's older than 50, that was the nice way to say it. Uh, somebody that's willing to do it. It's not going to harm you. Okay, we've got one. Here we go. All right. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to try this exercise. And I have right here, I have five crisp $20 bills. So church normally, you, you normally never see the church actually give money, just take money, right? Well, this is going to be a little bit different here this morning. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Father's Day. Father's Day. (laughs) 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. All right. And this is what we're going to do. Your task in the next two weeks is you're going to figure out how to exchange that 20 bucks for kingdom currency. You're going to figure out how to use that to bless somebody to encourage somebody, maybe you need to add a thousand bucks to it. Maybe you need to. Maybe, <laughs> you, you can you can figure out what that looks like. But but maybe I, I, I did this with a, a church probably about ten years ago, and it was so fun. And what we're gonna do is after those two weeks on the thirtieth, at the conclusion of this series in James, we're gonna bring these guys up here, and we're gonna hear stories of what they did to exchange their kingdom currency. Is that, are you willing to do that? Are you willing, are we going to shake on it? Are you willing to do that? You're willing to do that? Are you willing? All right, you're going to, you're going to do it? I know, exactly. (laughs) All right, so, so we're going to hear, so anybody interested to hear how God's going to lead them? So my ask is in the next two weeks is that you're going to see God on this, that you're going to see, hey, God, what do you want me to do with that? Just be sensitive to his spirit and see where he leads you to use that 20 bucks. I don't know. It doesn't have to be grandiose. You don't have to solve, like, hunger in Africa with that. But, uh, but, but like, or you'll, you can find a way. But, but use that and figure out how you can bless and use that to exchange that for kingdom currency. Can we thank these guys? They took a risk up here. And so you've got to come back on the 30th to see what uh, craziness they've done with that $20. Uh, and and I, if I didn't mention this, blessing somebody doesn't involve blessing you. That doesn't mean like, you're like, finally I can get the jumbo burrito at, uh, at what's that place called? Anyway, um, so, so the, uh, I'm trying to think of what's the burrito place. That's, I'm new to it. Freebirds. Yeah, they've got this burrito there. Anyway, uh, so my hope in conclusion, I don't, I've derailed, uh, but my hope just in conclusion is, is what, if we, what if we saw our finances differently? What if we started to see our wealth as potential, that we could exchange our, our resources for kingdom currency, that we could, we could use it to impact the world around us instead of doing some of the things that the text warns against, instead of the hoarding piece, instead of the, allowing it to, to, to be elevated as a, a, just a fat heart that you're just chasing after this stuff. Our wealth could be an awesome thing in this community. Let me pray for us as we conclude. God, we thank you for this text this morning and the, the pretty direct and challenging warning about the different snares that our wealth can have in our life. 
And if I'm honest, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen, I've seen the tug that it has. I genuinely feel that pull regularly. God, I just pray that you do a work on us, God, that we would, that, that, that hand that's maybe been clinched for years and years, that you would soften that, that you'd open that, that we'd hold onto our things loosely, that we'd use our, 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 our resources to be rich in good deeds, to be rich in good deeds. What an awesome thing to be said about us and our resources. God, I just pray that you do this work in our, in our hearts. We know that it has to start there. It stems from that. It stems from that, that worship piece, that out of our hearts, that we want you to be the, the direct uh, object of our affection and our worship, God. We thank you for your patience with us in this area. Pray that you continue to stretch and move us. Thank you for your grace. In your name we pray, amen.
finishing up, I want to invite the Agape group. We, I guess my understanding, I'm learning stuff about the church. We had some traditions that, that they come down before they go out on their tour, and they, they're going to a full week of ministering through music to a lot of different needy folks in the next week. You guys can start coming down here now. Uh, we're going to have them come down this, this center aisle, those going on this uh, tour. If you're close to the end, you can, you can have a handout. Just We're going to pray for them, just that God would use them mightily in the next uh, week in this ministry tour. Isn't it cool seeing it in so many young people praising the Lord, elevating Him? So we, I may just sit. I'm going to make you stand again. Sorry. Uh, let's, get, let's get a handout. If you can't touch them, at least extend an arm. We're just praying for these guys that God would use them in the next week. If you join me just in prayer. God, we thank you so much for the, the power of, of worship, the power of proclaiming truth through song. And so we're asking that you'd go before this team this week and that you would pave, do- pave open uh, roads for them to follow, the, that, that they would be able to step through just so many opportunities to proclaim your goodness and their, your grace in their life. I pray that you'd keep them safe on these, uh, in these uh, vans in the next week, that you'd give them just the opportunity and, and conversations aside from the music to point people to you. I just pray boldly that, that people would come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and have their eternities redirected because of their efforts this week, God. And we're trusting that you can do that, God. In the, the power of Jesus Christ, we commit them into your hands. We pray this in his name. Amen. Pray you guys have a fantastic week. Let's exchange for some kingdom currency. God bless you.